That's messed up. Yeah, that is really lame, and I'm leaving. You're better than that, nope. Donna, why are you angry? You were in first place. Well, good morning, and welcome to Bridgewater. If I've not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you are here today. And I want to open by asking you a question, but don't answer this out loud, okay? Have you ever been offended by someone? Now, don't answer out loud. Don't raise your hand because the person might actually be in this room, and I don't want you to get an elbow into the ribs, okay? But I think we've all been there, right? We've all been offended or have or are currently being offended or will be offended by someone in the future, right? We've all been there. We all know what that looks like. And, and here's, here's what that looks like, okay? It's like, you know, imagine you're, you're dating somebody and you're, you're a pretty good driver, but you're, you're directionally challenged. And because you're directionally challenged, you have a little bit of trouble, right? You know what you're doing. And so your boyfriend or your girlfriend is trying to give you a little bit of help and you don't listen to them at all, right? You know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, you get lost, and they keep trying to help you. They keep trying to help you. And all of a sudden, you're like, quit telling me how to drive. And you get a little upset, and you get offended, right? Back off. Tell me how to drive. Who are you? I'm the one at the steering wheel. Or maybe you've been dating, and you've been dating, and your one-year anniversary is coming up. I mean, it's a big deal, right? And guys, she says, I don't need you to do anything special. <laughs> and you hear that, and you do nothing. And what she meant is, you better do something, and it better be awesome. Now, you didn't do anything. And it's one year, guys, and she is mad. And not only is she mad, you're upset too, because you thought she was clear. And now you're offended. Never happened to anybody. Maybe you're married, right? And, and you forgot to pick up the kids. And this is the second... You laughed. <laughs> this is the second time this month. You are in the doghouse. You're in trouble. She's mad. You're embarrassed. Now you're mad and you're both offended. Maybe... Uh, you haven't gone on a date in a long time, right? And, and you're like, okay, okay, this month, you and I were going on a date. Just you and I, no kids, no one else, we're going. And then you forget. And you promised me, you promised you would take me out on a date. And you're upset. And you're angry. And now you're offended again. Or, or maybe, maybe you're a newlywed, Right? And uh, let's, let's say that mom is a really good cook, but your new bride is still trying to figure things out, okay? <clears throat> and you realize that mom's chicken was amazing, and you politely, kindly say, hey, maybe you should ask my mom for her chicken recipe, and she says, I'm going to tell you where you can go get your chicken. <laughs> and now you're, oh, 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 oh. My whole fence is falling down. All right. So offended. 
One too many offenses. All right. Maybe uh, you've been working at your job for about 10 years, and they're going to do a big celebration, right? They're going to honor you, recognize you, throw a big party. And she forgot. She made plans with the kids and scheduled something else. And now she's not going to be there. The kids aren't going to be there. And you're both upset. You're both offended. Or maybe <clears throat> your boss has been talking to you about this new, this new job, this new promotion he wants. In fact, they're going to create this, this promotion, this spot just for you. And he says, you are perfect for it. When we create this position, it is for you. I have you in mind. I'm so excited about this. Eventually, they create this spot. They start interviewing people, and they hire somebody else. And little by little, you and I are offended. And we start building this fence in between us and our significant other, in between us and our spouse, in between us and maybe our kids, us and our boss, us and our friends. And we find ourselves offended, hurt, bothered. And so what do we do? How do we become unoffendable? Is that a thing? Now, I'm not saying that what has happened wasn't a big deal, because it was. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. I'm not saying what they did wasn't wrong because it was wrong, and it did hurt. And everybody else would say, yeah, that is offensive, but what am I going to do with it? Am I going to build a fence and be offended, or am I going to choose something else? So grab your Bibles and go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 today. We're going to talk about how can we be unoffendable. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is preaching what's called the Sermon on the Mount, and he's sitting on this grassy hillside talking with all of his disciples, and they begin to talk about what does it mean to walk by faith? What does it mean to really be a disciple? And he starts talking about, hey, this is what it looks like. You're called to be salt. You're called to be different, to live your life differently, to make a difference. You're called to be light, to, to, to shine and be bright so people see that God is doing a great work. And he's talking about the fulfillment of the law. And then he begins talking about murder. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, he says, You have heard that it is said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, that's a bad word in Hebrew, is answerable to court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of fire of hell. So he's talking about murder, and he's saying, hey, you've heard. If you murder somebody, that's, that's a big deal. That's wrong. Don't do that. And with murder comes this judgment. And then he talks about anger, and he says, watch out for your anger, because with this anger comes this judgment. And Jesus is talking about anger and murder, and he says, anger is really murder in your heart. Now, I know you've been offended, you've been hurt, you've been wounded, and out of that, 
you might be tempted to say some things. And Jesus points to this word, raka, right? He says, you're angry, and out of that comes this word, raka. It's, it's this Hebrew word. It's, it's a four-letter word. It's an insult. It's calling you an idiot, but far worse, okay? Choose your choice cuss word to fill in idiot. That's what he's saying. You're numbskull. And you're insulting them because out of your heart flows the things that you say. All those things are already in my heart. But what happens is you forget to pick up the kids again. And you bump me. You cut me off in traffic and you, you bump me again. And all of a sudden what comes out of my mouth was already in my heart. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Jesus says, all of that is connected to your thinking and your affections and now your choices. All of it overflows out of your heart. The root of sinful anger grows in your heart. It's self-centered. It's all about me because I think I deserve this. I believe I have these rights and who are you to infringe on my rights? Who are you to come into my world and mess with what I think is the most important thing because in that moment, that date, that month was more significant than anything else. And your promise was more significant than anything else. And I deserved that date. And I deserved you to be treated this way. And you didn't. And you hurt me. I deserved that promotion. I deserved that job. And you didn't give it to me. It's mine. It belongs to me. And now I'm angry. But not only am I angry, I'm calling people a fool. I'm making a moral judgment on someone. Not only are you an idiot, but you are a fool in how you act and how you behave. I'm criticizing your character. You're not just an idiot, you're a moron. And all of that is overflowing out of your heart because choosing, choosing to be offended comes from my heart. It affects my heart. It flows from it and it affects it. In fact, when I'm choosing to be offended, I let that hurt, that wound, that pain, maybe I've been sinned against, I let that sit and it just festers and it grows and it creates this ripple effect into my life. And then anything that touches it is a little sensitive, kind of like a sunburn. And you just snap at people, yell at people. Or maybe it's just all internal. You keep replaying that over and over and over again because you've been hurt so many times. And now it's just cascading all throughout your body, starting in your heart like an infected wound, festering, growing, and it impacts my marriage how I talk to my kids, how I treat my coworkers, my neighbors, my boss, all of that. Because inside my heart, I'm angry. That's why Jesus says, be careful about that anger. It's like murder in your heart. But notice what he says in verse 22. He says, but I tell you, right? Emphatically, I tell you, this is really what's going on here. 
that you've heard about murder, but I'm telling you, here's the real truth. Here's the real story. That anger in your heart is actually murder. But notice, notice verse 23. He says, therefore, right? In light of everything he's just said, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, what should you do? Verse 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So there you are in the middle of a worship service, ready to put your sacrifice down on the altar. And all of a sudden you remember, hmm, me and my wife, we had a big fight last night. Me and my boss, we're, we're at odds. Me and my sister have been arguing all week. Or, or what they did, what they said really hurt. And I've just been stewing and thinking and dwelling on that. And here I am in the middle of a worship service. The praise band is singing. The volume is up. It feels full. I brought my Bible today. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. The sun is out. It is shining. And Jesus says, if you're going to do anything, if you're going to do anything, just leave your gift. Put it down off to the side. Because there is something that is far more important than being in this worship service. And it's fixing relationships. It, it may be embarrassing. People may look at you. They may wonder. They may talk. They may whisper, why did he leave the service? What's he doing in the back? Leave your gift. Then go. Go walk across the auditorium, walk out of the auditorium, go get on the phone, go drive over to their house and have a conversation. Because there is something that is far more important than you being here Sunday morning. And this is a big deal. It's reconciling, fixing relationships, or at least starting to have those conversations, starting the process. It's so important. In light of everything that Jesus says, this is so important. Leave your gift there. Just stop what you're doing. I mean, imagine that. That's so radical. You would just walk out of here going, you know what, Tim? I'm sorry I had to leave today, but there was a relationship that I needed to try to fix today. I'll be back next Sunday, or I'll be back in five minutes, but I gotta have a conversation. That's what Jesus is saying, that relationships are important. Leave your gift, go, leave the room, walk across the room, walk across the driveway, walk across the hallway, walk wherever it is that you gotta go, drive there and be reconciled. That reconciliation is this idea of, of restoring a relationship. It was strained, it was broken, and you've got to say, hey, you and I got to talk. We got to figure this out. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. Maybe I just need to get over myself. But maybe I just have a wrong perspective. Or maybe you actually did something that was wrong or hurtful. And we got to fix this. This is a big deal to God. It's a big deal because choosing to be offended 
hinders my worship. That's what Jesus is saying. You're in a worship service and you're here and you've been ignoring problems. You've been trying to sweep them under the rug. You've been shoving your head into the sand, pretending like they don't exist. And you're here and you're not getting quite everything that you should out of this because there's some kind of friction between you and somebody else. There's a fence between you and your spouse, between you and your boyfriend, between you and your boss, between you and somebody else, and you're trying to worship God, and you can't. It's hindered because of this fence, because I keep putting up a fence, offenses and wounds. I, I, don't, I don't deal with them. And I just keep driving more into the ground. More walls go up, more walls go up, and eventually you're all walled off and it becomes this prison. It's Jesus saying, you gotta have a conversation. Here's what that looks like. I like to use a method called OIC, right? I don't always use it, but here's what I like to use it, right? I like to go to somebody and I like to simply make an observation, all right? Say Stan and I are, are on a trip, right? We're on a a canoe trip. He's one of my teenagers in my youth group. And I give instructions to all my kids. Hey, in the morning, we're going to wake up. <clears throat> we're going to open up our Bible and everyone's going to read the same devotional together. And I noticed that Stan is in the morning and he's there looking at uh, YouTube videos on golf. And I'm like, come on, Stan. And I noticed that he's doing this day one, day two. I'm like, man, what is, what is he doing? So I go to Stan and I can go to him. I'm like, dude, do you even love Jesus? Right? I can do that. Be quite offensive. <clears throat> or I can go to Stan. I can say, Stan, hey, come on over here, man. Can I make an observation? Yeah, sure, Tim. What's up? Hey, the last two mornings, when everybody else is reading their Bible, I just see you on, on YouTube looking at golf videos. And then I, and I give like three interpretations, right? I'm going to give one that I think is probably it. And I'm going to give two just to give him the benefit of the doubt. Hey, Stan... Maybe, maybe you forgot your Bible or, or something happened to it. Or, or maybe you don't really understand how to do this. Or maybe you're getting up early. You're getting up at four o'clock in the morning and you're doing your Bible devotions and you're already done. Right? I make those interpretations and then I ask him, hey, help me understand. Help me to clarify what's going on. And Stan says, yeah, you know what? I, I had my Bible and... I lost it. I can't find it. I don't know where it is. And the devotion you gave me got all wet. I can't use it. I'm like, dude, just, okay, now we've got a solution. Now we can work to, oh, dude, I got an extra Bible. Here's an extra devotional. Let's figure this out, right? And we can do that. We can do that, right? Hey, you forgot to pick up the kids. Help me. What, did, did, you not, did you not know today was your day? Um, did you just forget or did you just not really care? Like, like help me understand. Ah, oh, man, at work, I just got jammed up again, and I knew I was supposed to. I set an alarm on my phone. It went off, and then Brian kept talking to me, kept talking to me, kept talking to me, and I just couldn't get out. Okay, okay, so what, how can I help? Like, I can pick up the, the kids Mondays and Wednesdays, but the other days, have the conversation. Figure out what's going on, because this is so important. It hinders my worship. 
It's so important that if I don't deal with it, then now I have a fractured relationship with Stan because I just jump to conclusions. I make assumptions. I never deal with it. And the next thing you know, Stan doesn't even understand why I'm upset at him. I'm just upset. It impacts our relationship. It hinders our worship. But notice what else Jesus says in verse 25. He says, settle matters whenever you feel like it. Quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So Jesus is saying, this is so important. Take care of it today or this week. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says, don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, it doesn't mean that you literally need to take care of it that night because I know the offense might happen at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. And I know sometimes the best thing is just to get a good night's sleep, but say, hey, we're gonna pivot and tomorrow, can we, can we have this conversation or tomorrow can we finish this conversation? But Jesus is saying, take care of it today. When I was a youth pastor, I planned this uh, Halloween outreach for our, for our students. And this was a more traditional conservative church with a Sunday night service, all right? Like full-blown Sunday night, music and preaching. And it was jammed with like 20 people. <clears throat> so I planned an outreach for our students and said, hey, come on out. We're going to do this Halloween thing. Come dressed up. We're going to do Halloween games, fun foods, like decorate, like we're going all out. Had kids coming in costumes, kids bringing lost friends coming, kids who had never even stepped in foot a church are coming to a church event at a church in a Halloween costume, having a blast. Getting opportunities to talk to these kids, just, just to start the relationship with them. Six months later, a lady comes to me and tells me how mad she is because I had a Halloween event on Sunday night and these kids weren't in church. I thought, huh, these kids weren't gonna be in church at all. <laughs> but they were in the building and, she, and it wasn't that she was mad about that. It was that she waited six months to have that conversation. <laughs> That's a big deal, guys. And some of us are doing that in our marriages, with our kids, with our friends, people that are close to us or used to be close to us. And Jesus says, take care of it quickly. Let me give you four rules of, of solving problems. Here's, here's the four rules. These are right out of Ephesians chapters four and five. Be honest. Start the conversation and just be honest. Speak the truth in love. Being honest is not permission to be mean, okay? I know some of you just heard that. Oh, I'm just being honest. You're kind of being a jerk. <laughs> Keep current. Take care of it right now in that season. Attack the problem, not the person. We love to attack people. Get after the problem. What's the problem? The problem is we can't figure out who's picking up the kids what days. Let's figure that out. Instead of saying, you're an idiot. Act 
don't react. When we put up the fence post, we're reacting. When we put up those walls, when we turn that cold shoulder, we're reacting. Act. Be proactive. These are the things that will help your marriage thrive. These are the things that will help your relationships thrive. These are the things that are going to help this church become healthier. So instead of nursing and rehearsing these hurts and these wounds and these offenses and these sins over and over again, instead of building a fence or a wall, we've got to make a decision. that We've got to reconcile things because there's something going on here. It's either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of self. And right now, I am building the kingdom of self. You hurt me, you sinned against me, you offended me, so the wall is going up. But Jesus is saying, settle matters quickly. Satan wants to destroy. He wants to tear your family and your marriage apart. He wants to tear this church apart. So instead, what we need to do is we need to, instead of choosing to be offended and building walls, we need to build bridges. And instead of, of being offended, because one, one by one, Satan has an agenda. He wants to destroy. He has a tactic. He's using these offenses and he's driving a wedge between you and other people. He wants to separate you. But Jesus has an agenda too. He wants to restore those relationships. He wants, he wants to breathe new life into those relationships. He wants to breathe forgiveness into those relationships. Jesus wants to come in and change, radically change your marriage, change your relationships, change all of the family dynamics, and radically change what's happening in this church. And listen, guys, we have to be a church. We have to be a people who is willing to have hard conversations, speaking the truth in love, dealing with problems. If you got a problem, go talk to that person. If I have a problem with Stan, I don't go talk to Keith. I go talk to Stan. I got a problem with Stan. If I have a problem with Dan or Alyssa, I go talk to Dan or Alyssa. Now, there might come a point where I need to include somebody else, right? They're not listening. They're not repenting. They're not hearing. I need somebody else to be a part of that. But right now, Jesus is saying, keep that circle as small as possible because it's between me and them. I don't put it on Twitter or Facebook. I go and talk to them. That's hard. But listen to what Jesus says. He's going to give us the example in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a harsh warning. What Jesus is saying is we need to start with this attitude of forgiveness, this readiness, this posture to forgive. Now, I need to have a conversation, right? It's not just like, hey, you're all forgiven. You're good. Just keep on smacking me in the face. Keep on sinning against me. No, I need to have a conversation. Jesus says, if I go to them and I have a conversation and they repent, then forgive them. 
If they sin against me seven times and I go to them and they repent, Jesus says, forgive them. And what he's saying here is, if I'm a person who doesn't even have an attitude or readiness to forgive, the question is, am I really a follower of Jesus? Because Jesus has forgiven me and you of so much. And if I'm unwilling to have a readiness or an attitude of forgiveness, maybe I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so there's two options here. Number one, I can pay them back. I can pay them back. I can get revenge, freeze them out, hurt them. Just give them what they've got coming. Or option number two, I can cultivate an attitude, a readiness to forgive. But when it comes to forgiveness, I believe there's an attitude and a readiness of forgiveness, and there's a transaction of forgiveness. When I say, I forgive you, I'm promising three things. One, I'm not going to bring it up to you anymore. Number two, I'm not going to bring it up to myself, which, by the way, is super hard. Number three, I'm not going to bring it up to others. I'm clearing out the debt. When I say, I forgive you, because this is what Jesus does. When he forgave you, he doesn't bring it up to you anymore. It's done. It's paid for. He doesn't bring it up to others. He doesn't bring it up to himself. It's cleared. That's the promise we're making. So we have to have this attitude and readiness. And then we have the conversation. I would say when you have that conversation, you've got to have the right attitude. You've got to have the right goal. And you also need to have the right timing. You know when it's not the right time. And you know when your attitude is all messed up, right? You're going in for a fight, guns blazing. And the goal is not reconciliation. The goal is to teach them a lesson or show them that they're wrong. But we got to pray about it. Right attitude, right timing, right goal, all of that. Jesus is serious about restoring relationships Here's, here's the main idea. We've got to change our approach to offense. We've got to change our, our, our approach to offenses and stop being offended. Why? Because offense is an event. Offended is a choice. And Jesus' approach is drop the offense with forgiveness. And so little by little, we've got to be willing to acknowledge the hurt acknowledge the pain, and lay down our offenses. One by one, we've got to be willing to have conversations with people. One by one, we've got to say, hey, this is, this is what I think I see. This is what I think I hear is going on. Help me understand. One by one, we've got to be willing to lay down these offenses, lay down these hurts, lay down these wounds, instead of building a fence, we've got to be willing to build a bridge. That's a tough one. A lot of sin there. One by one, little by little, we've got to be willing to have difficult, hard conversations. Pull up those fence posts. Lay them down have a posture and a readiness to forgive, be willing to have those conversations, work towards restoring those relationships, work towards reconciliation, 
And so that's what you want to do. If you want to stop building fences and you want to start building bridges, here's what that looks like. Number one, refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. He says in Proverbs 20, don't say I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle it. Wait for God. Refuse to retaliate. Number two, prioritize the relationship. Prioritize the relationship over being right. Here's what Proverbs 18 says. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Then in Proverbs 15, he talks about a gentle answer, right? Harsh hurts, go gentle. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. You can choose how you respond. You can fight fire with fire, or you can choose gentleness and have that conversation. Number four, fight to forgive. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. That if we want to start tearing down fences, tearing down walls, and building bridges, we need to change our approach. We need to change our approach and stop being offended. Let's pray. God, you are amazing. Recognize that there's some hurt and wounded people up here. Recognize that everybody has different relationships. Um, But in your grace, in your mercy, in your kindness, you continue to help us recognize that there's a lot of relationships that need restoring. And I ask that you would give us the courage and the boldness to have these conversations. Scary to bring these things up. Scary to talk to people about how we've been hurt, how we've been mistreated. But God, I want you to breathe new life into these relationships. I want you to breathe new life into those that are strained and broken. At the marriages here today, we take this bold step and say, you know what? We've not been dealing with problems. We've been sweeping it under the rug. I've been trying to ignore it, pray it away. We haven't done a good job at this at all. Have conversations. God, I recognize it will be hard at first. It will be painful at first. But your word tells us to settle matters quickly. Help us to own our sin. Help us to go to the people we've sinned against. Say, look, I've sinned against you. Will you forgive me? Pray that you would do an incredible work in these relationships and in our church. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you guys stand with us? So real quick, you guys might notice a couple new faces up here this week. These two dudes are brothers. They're the Cyril's boys. And um, 